Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. My name is Michael. I'm the owner of Matador Canine Brilliance, the host of the Acknowledge Dogs podcast and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. Before I jump into today's topic, which hopefully you're excited about because of the title, you're like, what the hell is going on? What are you talking about? You're a professional dog trainer. You don't train your own dogs. What? I'm going to go over it. Don't worry. But before I do that, I want to let you know I still have a couple spots open if you're interested in working with me. If you want to do professional dog training with me, whether you're just having problem behaviors, you're a dog trainer trying to work on some problems that you got going on, you're trying to get to that next level of dog training, or if you're just a dog owner who's sick and tired of their dog not paying attention, not listening, pulling them on walks, freaking out whenever they see another dog, if you're sick and tired of that, click the link in the description or head over to training.matadorcanine.com dot com slash six week coaching schedule a discovery call with myself it's going to be about 30 minutes we're going to go over exactly what your goals are what problems you're going through and how i can be assistance to you so jumping right into it what do i mean by i don't train my dogs it's true i don't really train my dogs much anymore i trained them a hell of a lot when i first got them we did a lot of work together but now they're at the point where i don't have to do as much training as you might think a lot of my training comes down to demonstrations or videos or if I want to teach them a new trick. Of course, they get their daily exercise in. We do a lot of certain things, but I'm not doing anything really crazy. I do not compete with my personal dogs. I've helped plenty of other people compete. And maybe there's a time and a place when I would join that world, but it's not something that I want to give a lot of money or education or resources to. I enjoy relaxing and sitting with a nice, well-behaved dog or doing really, really out of this world kind of stuff, which in the environment I live in right now, I don't have the means of doing. So what is it like not really training your dog? Well, when you have a dog that's really, really well trained, you don't have to think too much about it. You can kind of just live your life. You know, yesterday, for example, we went outside, I went to my car, and my dog just came with me off leash, no problem. I had nothing to worry about. He came with me to the car. I got the thing I had to get. And then we came back into the house. Super simple. I wasn't worried about him running away. I wasn't worried about him running out of the door. The other dog stayed in the house, by the way, just hanging out. So when you have a really well-behaved dog, and you might have experienced this with other family members' dogs or your past dog, right? When you were a kid and you had a dog, they were perfectly trained. Everything was wonderful. What happened to the dog that you have now that doesn't listen and doesn't pay attention? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's all about how you trained them. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. The sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Now, before we get into a disagreement of, oh, a little genetics versus it's how you raise them versus their early experiences, there's five influences of behavior. There's only five. One of them, which means one-fifth, one of them is that adult learning. One of them is genetics, which means another one-fifth is genetics and their predisposition. Realistically, it's how you trained them. 
And in my dogs, they had very different backgrounds, very different temperaments. And yet they are both wonderfully capable of hanging out with me and just enjoying my company. And they don't really have that many problems that they do on a daily basis. Okay, maybe they have an accident here and there and they make a mistake. Those are dogs. I'm okay with that. Dogs, the, the most best trained dog in the world is going to have that kind of problem. So I did two main things. Number one, and you should take this and you should do it with your dogs because I promise you it will be all the difference. Stop saying so much. The less you say, the more your dog has to figure out on what they want. If they can figure out what they need to do and what they want, you don't have to say anything in the future. These are automatic behaviors. I've talked about this on the podcast, Acknowledge Dogs podcast before. If you can have a dog that knows what to do and what not to do and how to think, they go, okay. Now, they're not thinking in uh, terms of morally right or wrong, but is this the behavior that's going to result in a reward or is it not? If I give my dog the opportunity to think and I don't tell them anything, and by that I mean verbally, they're going to pick up on other cues in the environment. For example, going out my front door, my dogs know when I grab the handle of the door, they sit down. I don't have to say anything anymore. It's beautiful. I grab the handle, they sit down. Or if I go outside and they don't come with me, they go lay down because we worked on that. If I open up a gate, they don't run out the gate because I've practiced those things. Dog trainers that tell you to do these things are right. You should be doing these things. But nine times out of 10, they're saying, hey, you have to talk to your dog constantly. You have to turn and face them and put your hand out in front of them. You have to say, wait, I'll be right back and then leave. Doing that is only going to teach your dog that that's the only reason you're staying there. My dogs know the only reason they're staying there is because the door is open and I left. Which would you rather have? A dog that will listen to everything you say verbatim and will do whatever they want any other time that you don't say anything? Or would you rather have a dog that knows or seems to know right from wrong and can kind of be independent? Now, how did I teach this? This is always shaping. Using a clicker or a marker signal, it's called a conditioned reinforcer in the science world. Using that and giving them the opportunity to succeed. So every time we did something, let's say, again, going back to the example of the door, I would grab the handle, I would wait. My dog would sit, I'd mark and reward him. Then I'd reset, so I'd walk away from the door. I'd come back to the door, grab the handle again. He would look at me confused. He'd try the sit again, mark and reward. Did that multiple times. Then he goes, okay, I'm starting to piece things together. When dad grabs the handle, I'm just going to sit, mark and reward. Practice, practice, practice. Then I can get rid of the clicker. I can get rid of the treats. And when I grab the handle... Now my dog sits. Now we get to go outside. That becomes the reward. I'm using a natural reward in this sequence. Right? I grab the handle. They sit. Now we go outside. A natural reward is going outside to reward the behavior that I wanted in the first place. So I pick the behavior I want. I now place it exactly where I want it. Excuse me. I place it exactly where I wanted it to be. Boom. There we go. Now we have a dog that perfectly sits when I put my hand on the door. They know exactly what I want them to do and they can do it without being asked. That's remarkable. That's fantastic. Most dog trainers have dogs that do this, but they don't teach other people how to do it. And I'm not sure why. <laughs> why wouldn't I teach you exactly how I have my dogs? I like having dogs that are relaxed most of the time. Yes, I love doing exciting things with them, but nine times out of 10, I want them to be relaxed and calm. 
until I excite them and get them to do something. Okay. Now, there is one big secret. I'm going to pull up a quote here, make sure I say it right. There's one big secret to getting this really soft. Okay. And if you are an avid listener of what I talk about, you know exactly what it is. I'll give you a second to think about it. Okay. Now I'm going to read you a quote here. If they are doing the wrong thing, they are stubborn. If they are doing the right thing, they are committed. Just get them stubborn on the right thing. I'm going to read it again for you. Okay. While you're still thinking of what that secret might be, I'm going to read it again. If they are doing the wrong thing, they are stubborn. If they're doing the right thing, they are committed. Just get them stubborn on the wrong thing. What does that mean? And did you get the secret? It's the variable reward schedule. They both go hand in hand. That's why I pulled up the quote. The variable reward schedule is when our dog is uncertain and unaware of when they're going to get rewarded, but they perform the behavior regardless. Think about gambling. Somebody who's addicted to gambling has no idea how many times they got to pull the lever or roll the dice in order to get their money back, but they keep going at it. They keep trying. They keep putting in their chips to say whatever chips they have left and they keep playing the game. The more they play the game, the more likely they are going to win. If they don't play the game, they can't win. So it goes off like this. Think about someone with a gambling addiction. They go, they're getting interested in gambling. They're like, okay, let me, let me see if I could, I could do this. They win maybe five, 10 bucks. They get a little cash. They go, Oh, awesome. I can get this little bit of money coming in from gambling. Let me try again. Let me see if I can double down. Maybe they win a second time. Oh, now they're, now they've won twice. They go to roll a third time. They don't win. They go, Oh, okay. Well, maybe I just hit a, you know, I hit a rock. Let me try again. Let's just say luck is on their side. And this is how they would justify it. Luck is on their side. They win the fourth time they play. Now their brain starts to rationalize this. Okay, mathematically, you can win three out of four times. Let's play again, right? Because that's a 75% chance of winning, if my math is not wrong. (laughs) So you play five times, they lose again. Six times, they lose again. Seven times, they win. They go, oh, man. Okay, so I'm winning now four out of seven times. That's still higher than 50%. So they keep playing this way. What ends up happening is the brain will rationalize that there's still an opportunity to win. There's always an opportunity to win. So let me keep trying. Let me keep going. Even if that percentage drops to 10% or lower, their brain will consider themselves in the position to win. So they're going to keep trying because they've had such a strong reinforcement in the past. Now, some people can break this cycle very easily because they're not that rewarded by the money. They're not rewarded by that elation they feel from winning. Some people are, and some people are very susceptible to it. And then other people, they don't really care. They're like, okay, I could take or leave gambling. I'm one of those people. I could take or leave gambling. I'm not very excited about it. I know some individuals in my life that love gambling. They will gamble you on anything. They will bet on anything. <laughs> they, will, they will win or they will lose, and they will see it as an upside. Because now they, now they, they got to come back as an underdog or any way that they're going to rationalize it. Our dogs clearly don't think like that, but we can implement that same strategy, the same tools that gambling would have in our mind into our dog's mind. That's how we get them to be really stubborn. Problem behaviors that you're suffering with are usually on a variable schedule. 
which means they're difficult to get rid of, right? Gambling is one of the hardest addictions to get over simply because it has to do with your brain and the fact that no matter how many times you lose, there's always an opportunity to win. With a dog, no matter how many times they don't get rewarded, there's still an opportunity to get rewarded. So they're going to keep performing the behavior only if you train that. Only if you teach them that they can keep going and eventually they will win. This is where a jackpot comes in handy. So you could do, let's say, the door exercise again. I put my hand on the door. My dog sits. I walk away. I don't give him a reward. I do it a second time. I then reward him. And he goes, okay, I got to do this twice before I get a reward. Do that enough times. He will be steadfast on, I always have to do this twice. Then I would bump it up to three. I always have to do it three times. Bump it up to four, to five, to six, all the way up until we're at 10. Now he goes, okay, I got to do this 10 times in a row before I can get my treat. And I know it's 10 times and I'm always going to do it 10 times. Those are called intermittent schedules. There's a ratio there. The true secret is in varying it, the variable schedule. That's why it's called that. So they don't know. It could be two times. It could be 10 times. It could be three times. It could be 20 times. It could be 50 times. It could be 100 times. They have no idea. That's the magic of it. That's the power of it, the secret. The more you can do that, implementing that into their life on everything. Everything should be on a variable schedule because then it is almost impossible to break. It takes a lot of deliberate effort to break that sequence. My dogs are on variable schedules for a couple of things, if not all of the behaviors I've taught them, but the natural things that happen. There are a couple of things, they are just on a variable schedule. They know exactly what to do. One thing I'm actually trying to fix right now is the direction my dog goes out of his crate. He goes out to the right and he smacks into the door of the crate and then he smacks into the fridge. Absolute chaos. And then that gets my other dog excited. So I'm trying to calm everybody down. And so I want him to come out and go to the left. If I practice that over and over and over, but one out of every 10 times, he goes out and he goes to the right. That behavior is still in play. That means he still can go to the right because there's still a level of rewards there. For him, it's the water bowl. He wants to go out to the right to the water. But realistically, I want him to come to the left so I can put his leash on, and then we can go to the water. So that's how I reward him for coming to the left with me. If he goes to the right, I recall him before he gets to the water. So there's a very simple dynamic there, and maybe you can't relate to that short little story. But for me, if I can structure exactly what I want and put it on a variable schedule, you will consistently and stubbornly turn towards me away from the water, away from going outside, away from where he wants to go, towards me, which is exactly what I want, even though he's excited, even though he's overstimulated, and the other dog's there, so he's all over the place, even if that's the case, I can calm him down a lot faster by having him focus on me. So I want to get him stubborn on focusing on me right out of the gate, which he does nine times out of ten, right? He's stubborn on that one other time, and that's what I'm trying to fix. So if your dog is great, oh, they're wonderful all of the time. But that one time, they're not great. Why is it? It's because it's on a variable schedule. My dog loves everybody. But sometimes they just bark at people. It's because it's on a variable schedule. My dog work, walks perfectly for miles on miles. Something happens and they lose it. It's because it's on a variable schedule. The reason I don't have to train my dogs is because I put the things I do like on a variable schedule, which become insanely strong. And I've worked against all of the things I don't like. And I've put the things that I do like in place of the things I don't like on a variable schedule. Do that 
and you won't have to train your dog anymore. Sure, you'll have to maintain things. You'll have to you know, give your dog the necessary needs of life, taking them out, doing certain things with them, activities. But when it comes down to training, right, the sits, the downs, the heel, loose leash walking, teaching them to leave it, name recognition, recalls, a down stay at a distance, all of those things, those basics, if you get those really solid, nine times out of 10, you can stop training your dog for the next 10 years. If you do it right, if you have a variable schedule, and you use positive reinforcement to teach them that doing the behavior itself is rewarding, not just because you told them to do it. Do all of those things right. Do all of them right. And you might not have to train your dog for the next 10 years. It can be done. I think you should train your dog all the time. And I do train my dogs all the time, but I don't have to. I don't have to train my dogs all the time because they're unruly or all over the place. I can train them and I can decide what I want to train them in. What do I want to do with them today? What do they want to do? I can decide those things because I'm not stuck in the mold of I have to work on this thing because that's what my dog is struggling with. If you are sick and tired of having your dog not listen, be all over the place, you're frustrated, you're, you're angry, you're upset, you don't know what to do, you want to go enjoy your walk, you want to take time with your friends and actually enjoy a nice stroll on the beach, and you can't do that because your dog is freaking out all the time or doesn't even let you hang out with your friends, click the link below, training.matadorcanine.com slash coaching. Let's get you guys back on track. Let's solve this for you, okay? Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.